The Creature by Trevor Allen, Chapter 4 In the midst of their poverty, these people were happy. I watched the brother carry the first little white flowers that peeped out from beneath the snowy ground to his sister. And I found such an astonishing power placed in my hands. They were like me, but not like me. I considered for a long time how I should use it. I wanted more than anything else to be one of them. It never occurred to me that I shouldn't. I didn't know who or what I was. You never told me. I possessed the capacity to bestow animation, but to prepare a frame for the reception of it, with all the intricacies of nerves, muscles, and veins, still seemed like a work of inconceivable difficulty. In the day, the young man worked in the fields, but after dinner he would read to the old man and young woman. This reading puzzled me at first. At first, I doubted whether I should attempt the creation of a being like myself, or one of simpler organization. But I discovered that he made many of the same sounds when he read as when he talked. But my mind was on fire. I guessed that he saw symbols for sounds on the paper which he understood. I was propelled from one success to another. I wanted to know these too. I didn't even understand all the sounds yet. I knew that I had the ability to give life to an animal as complex as man. He was teaching his sister to read, and as I listened, I began to learn too. Why shouldn't I? Language came easily to me. I began a journal of my greatest experiment. On one of my nightly wanderings, I came across a satchel filled with papers like I had seen in the cottage. I carried them off before their owner returned. The raw materials within my command didn't seem adequate for such an undertaking. The papers were Plutarch's lives, the sorrows of Werther, and Paradise Lost. My history my philosophy, and my Bible. I didn't doubt that I would ultimately succeed, but I prepared myself for many setbacks. These books became my sole possessions, and I spent many months deciphering them. I thought about the advances which take place in science every day. I applied my whole mind to it, and I improved greatly in the science but not enough to have any kind of conversation. I hoped that my attempts would at least lay the foundations for future success. I wanted to show myself to the cottages. I began the creation of a human being in a solitary chamber at the top of the house, my own laboratory. But I decided not to, until I could speak their language. I kept my filthy workshop a secret. This might make them overlook my deformity. Since the minuteness of the parts hindered my speed, 
I decided to make the thing of a gigantic stature, about eight feet in height and proportionally large. I admired the perfect forms of my friends, their grace, beauty, and delicate movements. I spent months collecting and arranging my materials. But then one bright moonlit night, as the snow began to melt, I took bones from crypts and vaults. I saw my face reflected in a clear pool. The dissecting room and the slaughterhouse also furnished many of my materials. At first, I stepped back, unable to believe that the thing in the water was really me. It was hard work, and I often turned with disgust from my labor. I was filled with disgust when I became convinced that I really was a monster. Only the moon watched as I tortured living animals to animate this lifeless clay. What possessed you to do this? A frantic impulse urged me on, and I lost all perspective. I thought only that a new species would bless me as its creator, and that many happy creatures would owe their lives to me. No father could claim the gratitude of his children as completely as I would be able to. Behold the great creator at work. If I could bestow animation on lifeless tissue, in time I might be able to prolong life indefinitely, to stop death. What gave you the right to play God? I pursued my task with unremitting labor. My cheeks grew pale, and I became emaciated. Sometimes, on the very brink, I failed. But I clung to the hope that the next hour or the next minute might bring success. I was urged on by a madness. As the sun became warmer, and the light of day longer, the snow vanished, and I saw the bare trees and the black earth begin to blossom. The spring passed while I worked. It was my first spring. It was a beautiful season, but I was insensible to the charms of nature. I also forgot my friends and family so many miles away. I hadn't seen them for such a long time, and I knew my silence made them uneasy. My father's voice was always there. I know that while you are pleased with yourself, you will think of us, and we shall hear from you regularly. However, I will regard any interruption to your letters as proof that your other duties are equally neglected. Father, you're wrong! What's wrong? Walton! I thought he was wrong, but now I'm convinced that he was justified and that I shouldn't be free from blame. My mind became more active. When I slept, I dreamt of the old blind father, the strong young man, and the beautiful woman. A man should always try to preserve a calm and peaceful mind, and never allow passion to disturb 
that tranquility. They seemed like superior beings who held the keys to my future. I don't believe that the pursuit of knowledge is an exception to this rule. In my imagination, I saw a thousand images of how I would present myself to them, and how they would react. If your life's ambition has a tendency to weaken your affections, and to destroy your taste for the simpler pleasures, then it is wrong. I imagined that they would be afraid at first, until by my gentle actions and kind words, I could first win their friendship, and then their love. That is to say, it is not befitting a human mind. These thoughts kept me going. My one goal was to acquire the art of speech. My voice was harsh, and not like their soft tones, but I pronounced the words that I understood well enough. I learned very quickly. I guess I should thank you for my mind, father. It was on a dreary night in November that I saw the accomplishment of my work. Knowledge is such a strange thing. I was anxious and tired. I hadn't slept in days. It acts like a disease for which there is no cure. When I had collected the life-giving instruments around me to infuse a spark of being into the lifeless thing on the table, it was already midnight. Sometimes I wanted to shake off all thoughts and feelings and forget myself, but I couldn't. Not even in sleep. The rain pattered against the panes, and the lightning flashed overhead. That's when the nightmares would start. My candle was almost burnt out, when in that half-light I saw the dull yellow eye of the creature open. It breathed hard and shook its limbs. I found that there was only one way to overcome the pain of life. That was in death, which I feared. I jumped back in fright, but as I did so, it fell back and just lay there, motionless, like death itself. Because I didn't understand. It was a catastrophe, not because I had failed, but because of up until that moment, I hadn't given any thought to the thing itself. It was hideous. I admired virtue, and good feelings, and loved the gentle manners of my friends. But I was shut out from their lives because of the way I looked. I had selected its features as beautiful. The music, the flowers, and the stories were not meant for me. Beautiful? God! Its yellow skin barely covered the muscles and arteries beneath. I am a miserable creature. Its hair was long and black and its teeth were pearly white, but they only formed a more horrible contrast to its watery eyes. They seemed almost the same color as the yellow sockets they stared out of. 
that had a shriveled complexion and straight black lips. I learned about families. I had worked for two years with the sole purpose of infusing life into that inanimate body. Sons and daughters. I didn't sleep. Mothers and fathers. I didn't eat. I had none of these. And now that I had come this far... I was none of these. When I saw it move, the beauty of the dream vanished. Where is my family? I was sick at the sight of it. Where did I come from? I turned off the machines in my lab and left. No. Mother held me. I threw myself onto my bed. No father watched over me. Completely exhausted. My past is a blank. And finally slept. I have always been exactly as I am now. But nightmares haunted me. I have never seen anything that resembled me. I thought I saw Elizabeth turn into a corpse as I held her in my arms. But I do remember you. When I woke... I saw your face there, in the dark. A cold dew covered my forehead. Lit by flashes of light. My heart stopped when, by the dim yellow light of the moon, I saw the thing I had created. Filled with disgust while I writhed in agony, racked with pain. Standing over my bed, staring down at me. I must have blacked out from the shock. When I woke, you were gone. There was an evil expression on its face. I searched for you. <laughs> and I found you sleeping on your bed. Its jaws opened. What am I? It made some inarticulate sounds. Where did I come from? It might have spoken. Why am I alive? But I didn't understand it. Please tell me! One of its arms reached out to grab me. Who are you? I escaped and ran downstairs. Don't run away! I took refuge in the courtyard of the house. Soon after I came to my hovel, I discovered some papers in the pocket of the coat that I had taken from your lab. I stayed there the rest of the night, listening for any sign of the corpse to which I had given life. At first I ignored them, but when I learned to decipher their symbols, I studied them with great interest. I couldn't bear the thought of it. It was your journal of the months leading up to my... Creation? A revived mummy wouldn't be as hideous as this creature. Everything in there which refers to my origin was written by you. I had looked at it while it was still unfinished and it was ugly then. All the details of that series of disgusting events which produced me are set down. But it was just a tissue. The description of my so-called 
odious and loathsome frame is given in language which made your own horrors clear and rendered mine indelible. Raw meat. What I read made me sick. Why did you make a monster so hideous that even you turned away in disgust? Now that all those muscles and joints were moving, it was like something out of hell. God in pity made man beautiful. After his own image, but my body is a filthy version of yours. It's more horrible because of the resemblance. I stood there with my back to a tree and a scalpel in my hand, waiting for the rest of the night. Even Satan had companions, fellow devils, to, to encourage him. I am alone. Morning dawned, and the thing hadn't appeared again. As soon as it was light, I ran out into the streets. I expected to see it around every corner. But just then, a coach came towards me. When it stopped and the door opened, Henry Claval stepped out. Victor, I'm so glad to see you. It's great of you to meet me here. How did you know I was coming? It was supposed to be a secret. Elizabeth sent me. To keep an eye on you, hmm? Claval, <laughs> well, it's so good to see you again. I... I suddenly felt calm for the first time in months. I walked towards my college, but the creature I had left in my apartment might still be there, alive and walking around or dead on the floor. I was more afraid that Claval would see it than I was of the thing itself. I asked him to wait at the bottom of the stairs while I went up to my room. My hand was already on the door before I knew what I was doing. I threw it open, but nothing appeared. I went in, but the apartment was empty and my lab was free of its hideous guest. I could hardly believe my luck. When I was sure that it had gone, I ran down to Claval. I couldn't control myself. I, I jumped over the chairs. I clapped my hands and, and, and laughed out loud. Victor, for God's sake, what's the matter? You're not well. What's the cause of all this? Victor, what's wrong? Don't ask me. It can tell you. There, behind you. Oh, God, save me. It's all right. Claval? Walton. Y yes, uh, of course. W Walton. Uh, Everything's going to be fine. It, it grabbed me. I... You're safe. It's not here. It was only a nightmare. <sighs> when the creature disappeared, I had a nervous fever for months. Claval nursed me back to health. That's right. Now you get some sleep. I'll be up on deck. Just call out if you need me. Our cast included Paul Rosenfield, Philip Hoffman, and Bora Max Kochnar. The entire production was under the direction of yours truly, Alika Spencer Kochnar, and stage managed by Miranda Whipple. Original composition, sound design, and sound engineer for this presentation created by Gregory James Holmes. 
Video elements assembled by Philip Hoffman and episode art designed by me. This is Alika Spencer Koknar, Chief Talent Officer at The Dragon, inviting you to return for Chapter 5 in The Dragon's podcast presentation of The Creature, written by Trevor Allen. In Chapter 5, the best people in the world. The Creature summons the courage to approach the family who lives in the cottage. Frankenstein is nursed back to health by his friend, Henry Clerval, and begins a new field of study. Tune in next Monday to hear the story unfold. Dragon is a nonprofit that depends upon the generosity and participation of you. No gift is too large or too small to make an enormous impact. You can feed the dragon directly online at www.dragonproductions.net forward slash CRE donate. All proceeds made from this link will go directly back to the dragon, as well as the artists that made this podcast possible, because only together can we help the arts thrive. Thank you so much for listening.